Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the new statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the podcast drama Sandra and the Janelle Monet album Dirty Computer. We've also watched the BBC game show The Button for the first time, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Seriously. We're starting the podcast with, um, I guess, a not that topical piece of pop culture this week but it's something that I had never heard about and Caroline showed it to me and it's so up my street and I just think it'll be really up seriously listeners street as well so with no further ado we're going to jump straight into it so the first thing we're talking about this week is Sandra a seven-part podcast drama from Gimlet Media it stars Kristen Wiig, Aaliyah Shawkat and Ethan Hawke and follows Shawkat's character Helen as she starts work at a corporation which operates a voice activated assistant called Sandra so Sandra is essentially a parallel to your Amazon Alexa or Siri on your iPhone. It's a kind of personal assistant that you speak to with your actual voice um, and it, it will reply in a human sounding-esque voice um, with answers to your questions or instructions of how to do things. Um but the premise, quite interestingly, is not that um, Sandra is, you know, like a bunch of code um, that is behaving like a human in the way that like in the film her Scarlett Johansson is kind of like a robot that reaches human status almost um, but the idea is that it's a bunch of actual humans who go to work in a workplace and sit sort of behind a microphone and are assigned specialism so your specialism um, might be birds or it might be pasta or it might be anything um, and then when people have a question that's specific to your specialism, you reply and then your voice goes through the Sandra voice and it comes out a bit more robotic. So it's kind of like humans pretending to be robots rather than the other way around, which is quite an interesting premise, I thought. Yeah, it's very interesting. I also think it's a good point of satire of uh, the sort of AI obsessed culture at the moment. Like everything's like, oh, well, we'll just get robots to do it. And in the Sandra world and I suspect a lot of the time in our world as well it's still just cheaper to like pay minimum wage humans to do something like it made me think immediately of there was an otherwise quite naff BBC drama called London Spy which starred Ben Whishaw as a young man who worked in an Amazon distribution warehouse mm. and 
obviously Amazon wants you to think that it's all super high tech and like you just order your thing on the website and the next Mm. day it turns up on your door. But what this program and lots of documentaries and investigative journalism has shown that actually it's like a human with a barcode scanner who has to sprint down the aisles of this massive warehouse, find the relevant thing, carry it over. You know, it's all very Mm. low tech and just exploits cheap human labor, essentially. And that's kind of what I think Sandra is trying to say, that in order to provide, quote, the user, the seamless experience of a robot, you have to use a human. Mm, That's so fascinating. And it's kind of shrouded in mystery, this fictional company that provides Sandra to people. I I mean, we don't even, you don't even know how she does like what form she comes in like is she a little box that sits in people's rooms you you do hear a little bit about that later on because I think I've listened to a few more episodes Mm. than you have a later point Helen gets moved into the customer service section where people do actually know that they're speaking to a human as opposed to thinking they're talking to a robot and they're asking questions like how do I make it work Mm. and she answers one call from someone who's like how do I make it work I thought people were just like saying to the air Sandra do this but nothing's happening and she's like what device are you using it on and he's like I need a device (laughs) Um, and then she explains that it's essentially as they are now like you can install Sandra on your phone or on your smart tv or on your like she calls it a home pod but I think that's like Amazon Amazon Alexa or whatever they're called you know yeah interesting so I think it's meant to be very very similar to what we have in this world now Mm. Helen the lead character doesn't really know much about how the company works but it's very much posited as sort of like a better alternative to the life that she could otherwise have So she says at one point, like, you know, what would these people rather be doing than working here? You know, flipping burgers, essentially, or um, there's a sort of sense that the town is in Oregon, where the where the I think it's in Ohio, in Ohio. But it's definitely, I think, meant to be like somewhere rural, somewhere Mm -hmm. not, um, you know, near L.A. or New York or a big Mm -hmm. urban center like that. And essentially this massive like global company has rocked up and like chosen to house their vast Sandra operation there presumably because like land is cheap and whatever mm-hmm. um and so yeah the local community suddenly loads of people work for Sandra and Helen the Ilya Shawcat character is in the vein of other characters she's she's played in the sense that she's someone who's quite directionless but got quite a lot of potential and quite a lot of um, passion and desire to help people or you know she wants she's the kind of person who wants to do something with her life but doesn't really have any tools or vision for what that might be so when you get this person from quite a um, a background with not without a wealth of opportunities in it and then she's put into this sort of exciting company that's glossy and has the potential to kind of rise through the ranks in an interesting way Mm. she's very kind of she's both kind of skeptical and excited about working there at the same time she's a little bit like wait me are they sure me and um when the chance actually comes to interact with users 
or the real people at the other end of Sandra, she discovers she's actually pretty good at it. And uh, she <laughs> likes talking to people and she wants to help people with things. And she's interested, she, even though she has no, she's assigned birds. And he, even though she has no prior interest in birds, she finds herself becoming interested in her ability to to help others. Um, and I really like that kind of element of the plot. And as it goes along, you realise that Sandra is meant to get perhaps slightly more involved with users' lives than is comfortable. But Aaliyah Shawcat's actually quite good at that. <laughs> yeah, so that's the invisible dividing line that I feel this drama is trying to explore. That at the beginning, all of the Sandra questions and answers that you hear, because you hear Aaliyah Shawcat's character doing it, but you also hear like other examples just as randomly inserted, are just like, Sandra, please order more birdseed. Mm. And Sandra says, great, I've added that to your cart. You know, that kind of interaction. And then as it goes on, you get longer and longer conversations and you you feel her getting more and more involved until it, I don't know if you've heard this yet, so stop me if you don't want to be spoiled, but there's a, a moment, I think it comes in the third episode, where she gets involved in basically a couple's relationship mm -hmm. because the woman has asked Sandra what to do because she's found a pigeon trapped in a grate and her husband boyfriend is just being like just leave it who cares or I'll hit it with this brick it doesn't matter and basically Helen who's got something she's got a relationship breaking up in her own life she's trying to get her deadbeat husband to sign divorce papers and stuff she gets really personally invested in them and starts saying stuff like you know just go home divide your stuff like you're obviously not right for each other and yeah. then the two people on the other hand are like what the fuck why is robot voiced sandra giving us Getting relationship advice and that's i think what it's exploring the whole time is when you've got essentially it's just two people talking like mm. we're talking now but with the fiction that one of them is a robot when the robot starts behaving too much like a human people freak out yeah and it's interesting because then you get confirmation that that is actually what the company wants her to do. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where the essential tension of the show springs from. And I haven't listened much further than that. So I don't know which direction it's going to go in. But I think it's really fascinating. And I think the voices in it are so charismatic and you just get such a strong sense of character even though obviously because of the format it's limited in terms of like people's mannerisms or mm. you know people can't like divert their eyes to to make it clear that they're lying or what all the all the usual tropes that you get of acting in a, a visual media is lost and yeah i think the performances are just so great in this and so layered and so complex and they've obviously got a really amazing cast um and it's quite a glossy production for a podcast drama it's well, quite so a high budget and this it feels is it something i also wanted to talk about so with my kind of other hat on as someone who writes about the podcast industry quite a bit this is part of a trend so gimlet media if people aren't familiar with it is a big u.s podcast network um that makes shows like reply all and the nod and stuff like that mm. and a startup and has recently got really into drama it had a series called Homecoming that debuted in 2017, I think, and is now being remade as a TV show starring Julia Roberts. And basically Gimlet has, in the last 18 months or so, massively got into audio drama because on a relatively low budget, you can make 
a podcast. You, I mean, they're probably spending most of the money on the talent here, right? You yeah, know, exactly. Ethan Hawke doesn't come cheap. That's but, why I'm sort of confidently like, this is a large budget production, even though I actually, yeah. obviously I'm not intelligent enough to discern the differences in production quality from one podcast to another, really. But, but if, from a, if Ethan Hawke and Kristen Wiig are involved, yeah. presumably it's a... <laughs> But from a like Hollywood point of view, it's a drop in the ocean because all they're really paying for is the talent, mm. both the writing and the acting talent. Mm. You know, Gimlet has their own studio space and they employ their own editors and producers and engineers and stuff. So totally. they don't. And unlike their other shows that have a kind of journalistic reporting element to them, audio drama doesn't need that. You don't have to go anywhere or fly anywhere. So they've been, you know, I think that Gimlet's launched three new shows this spring, which Sandra is one. Uh, and one other is also a drama. Only one of them is a kind of mm. nonfiction show. But anyway, they're doing this because the podcast to TV pipeline has suddenly appeared as a thing. So in the same way that people option books and short stories for television, studios are now optioning mm. podcasts. Mm. Yeah. So we've already had, <laughs> I mean, I haven't watched any of it, but I've heard some mixed reports of it. The uh, ABC show starring Zach Braff which is based on Gimlet's podcast Startup started airing a few weeks ago which is about a guy trying to start a podcast network it's all very better <laughs> um, and as I said Homecoming is becoming a show with Julia Roberts there are several other podcast to TV deals in the works so I think suddenly audio drama is becoming this kind of training ground or like what place where you can experiment with stories in a relatively cheap way Mm. And then if they work and they find an audience, you pick them up for screen adaptations. That's so interesting because I'm not plugged into that kind of podcast media landscape in the way that you are. But um, I actually really, really liked it. And I think, you know, not to be too kind of practical about it, but there's something really nice about getting your fill of fiction from a podcast because as we've often talked about, it's so much easier to listen to podcasts than mm. it is to, to um, watch TV or read a book because you can do it whilst you're doing other things. And it just really, I, I would, I've, I've actually been really, I feel like looking for um, the next kind of addictive podcast for me. And I feel like I've kind of exhausted the true crime podcast genre. And I was trying to find like another cool true crime podcast because what I really wanted was, a gripping podcast mm. and I don't know it why it doesn't occur to, to me that it has to be fact factual when it could be something like this which is perfect it's totally filled that hole of what I wanted uh, I wanted something that I can listen to in the bath while I'm washing my hair or while I'm doing the washing up or um, why did you not come to me with this question I know I have so I did, many I know. things to tell you about <laughs> <laughs> exactly I did think about it but then I was like mm, that's kind of asking Caroline to do work for me when she's quite busy because <laughs> that is sort of your job but yeah I I'm really pleased that you recommended this to me at least because, yeah, it's really filled a, a hole in my life. Yeah, I think it's really, really good. I generally find audio drama quite hit and miss, mm. which I think just reflects the fact that it's quite a personal and subjective thing. You know, mm -hmm. what I like in terms of style and pace is not going to be what everybody likes. So, for instance, that one I mentioned, Homecoming, that, um, you know, has attracted this massive deal and it's going to be in this big time tv show i don't really like it at all i don't find yeah. it very interesting yeah. but obviously others do because otherwise it wouldn't have done as well as it's mm -hmm. done you know so i do think they are still quite personal and the only way you find the ones you like is to try them exactly 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now we're going to talk about Dirty Computer, which is Janelle Monae's third full-length album, and it's already being hailed by critics as a frontrunner for album of the year, which was what The Guardian said in their review. Mm. It's a personal and political record, incorporating influences from her late mentor Prince, as well as lyrics reflecting anger at police brutality and oppression in America. So, Anna, how did you find this album when you first started listening to it? Well, my first interaction with the album was in the singles that were released first. Mm. And of those, I really, I really loved Make Me Feel and Pink. I think they're really great songs. Um, I really, I mean, the video for Pink is so, it's, it's so good. Visually amazing that it's quite hard to resist it. Because I think the song and the video came out at the same time, right? Or if I, I uh, yeah, I definitely, that's, that's how, how I, first I came across it anyway. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's features Janelle Monáe and lots of other women in these amazing kind of like pink vagina you know vulva-esque trousers and um it's just really it's kind of provocative and stunning and the lyrics are, are very sort of um sexual and it's, it's one of several hints we've had over Janelle Monet's career that she might be bisexual or that she's at least very interested in queer culture um and so yeah I, I really enjoyed those and I I've kind of been following the press for this album fairly closely um and there was i think the day before the album came out there was a, a cover interview came out with her in rolling stone by britney spanos and it was really good i'd really recommend mm, it if, if you like reading read, celebrity yeah. profiles it goes she spent the writer clearly spends a lot of time with janelle monet and goes back to her hometown in kansas city and stuff and um I feel like there's been quite a strong narrative around this album, which is that this is like 
Janelle Monet's coming out, not just in terms of her sexuality, but in terms of her, she's done a lot of Afrofuturist work um, mm-hmm. up to now, and people have kind of uh, a music with a lot of um, alter egos, and um, she's kind of posited herself as a kind of robot, basically in in the past. Um, and this was kind of like, here's Janelle Monet, the person. And it's yeah. called Dirty Computer. And it's kind of that title, I think, is kind of suggesting the idea that like people aren't computers um, because they're imperfect and they're complex and stuff. And listening to the album, I think part of me struggled to find that like really human soul in, in the music. Which, mm. and And so now I'm wondering if that narrative is something that's kind of what people are hearing in the album, which would be totally valid. And and I'm not trying to suggest that it can't be or whether it's like actually the PR narrative and that and I, sometimes at points with this album, I feel like the kind of PR narrative and the critical narrative and the audience reception narrative are, have all become the same thing in a way mm. that kind of confuses me perhaps a little bit. I don't know yes. if you think that's fair. I do think it's fair. It's sort of how I found myself reacting to it because yeah, I really like the video and the music for Pink um, and Django Jane and then yeah read that Rolling Stone cover story I read another really good interview with her I think in the New York Times magazine which is partly about this like amazing place that she's created at her home in Georgia that she calls Wonderland and uh, mentions for instance that um, Black Panther was filmed really near there and like the cast they used to go back to Janelle's after filming and you can just imagine this like incredible like coming together of black talent and that was all while she was working on this album yeah but then you know you read all of that and you get really excited for the music and then I listened to it like three or four times through the day it came out and I was like I'm just not feeling this this is not connecting with me in the way that say like Solange's album did yeah or Scissors and I think uh, there might be great fans of the album who are listening who are thinking like well this album isn't really for you guys and I think that would be a totally fair enough comment um that's kind of always the problem we have on seriously when we when we sort of review things that we might not be the primary audience for and that's fine um but yeah and there are bits of this album that I really really liked um I you know I really enjoyed I I think the harmonies on the opening track are really amazing Mm -hmm. Um, that is great. I think I like some of the kind of weird spoken word stuff like on Screwed where she starts saying like everything is sex, sex or everything is power, even sex and power is actually sex. Mm. It's a bit confusing, but, you know, I kind of liked the um, I liked that provocativeness of that. And I it's the kind of thing where you listen to it and you're like, wow, that is so true. And then like two hours later, you're like, wait, was it? <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah there are lots of there are lots of like little bits that are really stylishly done and really beautifully done and the whole thing is very stylish yeah totally exactly and it's very slick um and yeah very beautiful surfaces but I'm just wondering um why I have failed to have that yeah deep connection to it and maybe it's a grower which often happens on seriously as well where we like review things and then three weeks later we're like by the way it's so good (laughs) that's entirely possible but at the moment I'm feeling like the music doesn't match up to the kind of politics I've been sold in the narrative around it like I went through this album looking for 
if not like an anthem, if mm. at least a kind of something that tells the story of what's happening politically now. That's what I felt like I was being offered. Yeah. And I can't find it. I don't know. I almost feel the opposite in that I can definitely I definitely feel all the stuff that the that the narrative was talking about. Like I can see that this is a you know, I've whatever you want to call it, like an unapologetically queer album. I can mm. see that. Um that doesn't necessarily mean that it's kind of deeply human in other ways and and that's the that's where I have a kind of gap between what I want the album to be and what I'm finding it to be if that makes sense Mm, yeah that makes sense I don't know I think I'm just um I'm looking for depth that's what I'm I'm wanting and I'm not quite finding it but I'm very aware that I it's as you say it's not for me and other people might find that might experience it completely differently um yeah it is also interesting I think that um you know Janelle Monáe hadn't released any music for quite a while and people thought that maybe she was going to be a film star now yeah because she gave she had like two of the best performances in movies last year in Hidden Figures and in Moonlight you know two absolutely incredible films in which she was a big part of why they were so good yeah she's I've I've watched Moonlight so many times and her performance I think is it was I don't feel like it was actually that bigged up at the time and it's so key to the whole movie Mm. um and it's just so perfectly done and so yeah subtle um she obviously could if she wanted to make an extremely successful career just as an actress yeah but uh, she's obviously wanting to keep up the music and that's a big part of how she expresses herself. I thought it was interesting, our colleague Kate, when she talked about Janelle Monáe on the Back Half podcast last week, said that Janelle Monáe has always been someone who's not quite as famous as she seems, mm. which I think is a really interesting point in mm. that she has been in some big movies. She is very critically popular and well-received among people who write about music, but she's not like a massive seller if you know what I mean she hasn't she hasn't sold trillions of albums and so she's not she's not on like a Kanye West level of fame by any means no and in some ways I think that's a good thing because I think she will continue to make more interesting music if she floats slightly below the surface take risks in a way yeah which is definitely what she's done with this album and I you know it's nice to hear music that is obviously taking creative risks whether or not Mm. you're like personally connecting with it or not so you know, I'm glad that she's still got this kind of like multifaceted career where she's got like really devoted fans and she's kind of a bit of a critical darling, but she's also not in a position where she's so famous that she's so scrutinized that it would impede her creativity, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's actually a really interesting sweet spot, I think. Um, friend of the podcast, Laura Snapes, wrote a really good piece about this recently about Lord. did you see in the guardian about her tour yeah yeah and about how you know we absolutely loved lord's album melodrama as did pretty much every critic going but her tour's not selling out you know she's not making buckets of cash from it in the way that like taylor swift does or something mm. anyway laura was positing that maybe this is a good thing for lord's career in the long term like if she drops out of the like very top flight rank of musicians she'll be able to release music not under such enormous pressure and maybe that will be good for it in the overall. I feel Mm. kind of the same about Janelle Monáe. I agree. So last week we decided that uh, in this recommendy slot, 
we would be talking about a new BBC show, which I loved and recommended to Caroline, um, called The Button. And The Button is basically a game show meets Gogglebox in that it's a bunch of families sitting in their living rooms and they've got this thing in their living room called The Button and they have to watch it all day, every day. And then when it goes red, they have to like smack it and it will give them a challenge. And the challenges range from things that could be considered fairly intellectual, like name as many American presidents as you can, to things that are like smash as many eggs over your head as you can in a minute. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very silly premise, as you can tell. And then the winners of each challenge, you kind of rack up money. Um, So, you know, maybe you cracked six eggs over your head the fastest, so you get a thousand pounds, but maybe another family uh, named all the presidents, so they get five thousand pounds. The team with the most money at the end um, gets to either choose to keep the money or to play again next week. Um, So most of the families, because they don't win, play again next week. Mm -hmm. Um, So you get to know the families quite well and stuff. So what did you make of it, Caroline? I absolutely loved it. It's not something that I would normally come across or watch at all, I don't think. But I don't know, I found it really joyful. And the fa- obviously they put a lot of effort into casting the families because they've all got the right combination of competitive, but also so that so that they really go for the tasks, but also still with a sense of humour and a, like, a niceness to it rather than just like pure aggression. Mm. And also it's just really funny seeing the dynamics between the different people and also the fact that all the families are like playing the tasks at the same time but they can't see each other and they can't see each other's progress so you'll see one family be like well I think we've got loads of forks on this plate Um, and then the button which has a little screen on it like shows them afterwards shows them how other people did and they're like oh maybe it wasn't so many forks (laughs) yeah it's really funny like the forks one is a good example because the challenge was have the second highest Mm. number of forks on a plate to win and so some people were like, quick, get as many forks as you possibly can. And some people were like, maybe we should just go for three forks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the psychology of it is very interesting. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, and one family's like knocking on every door on the street. Yeah. Like, give us your forks, give us your forks. And yeah. the other are like, should we do four or three? Yeah. And then so you hear afterwards, people will be like, oh, and the winning team were, you know, this team with 60 forks. And people are sat there like, 60 forks? What house has 60 forks? Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like, it wasn't just theirs, babe. Um, yeah, so it's really kind of childish and I think and it's also been met with I know some viewers really didn't like it because it was on a Friday 8 p.m sort of slot yeah it's a strange time to schedule it yeah which mm. is quite a kind of controversial time because you imagine it to be like kind of silly daytime tv but Mm. I actually like Saturday night stuff so like you know opposite Saturday night takeaway that kind of yeah yeah um and it's not very long like it's just I mean it's like a half hour program so it doesn't it doesn't have to be this big juggernaut of TV. So I can see why people are a bit like, wait, why in that slot? But I really enjoy it. I, I love it for all the same reasons that I love Gogglebox. I love the kind of getting to know the families. I love seeing the way that they interact with each other and um, the kind of like family banter. Because I mm. feel like stuff that happens within families is always so gentle and somehow so much funnier than any kind of well-crafted joke you could make, you know, about a politician or something. It's just, I love seeing them just kind of bicker and it Mm. just brings me a deep joy that I find difficult to articulate. My favourite bit is how, so the button has like a kind of webcam in it, like a GoPro in it, so that it's always filming what's happening in front of it. And obviously it 
the tasks aren't like continuous so they do one and then the button goes green for like five hours and doesn't do anything so you gradually see like people get bored people drift off people drift out of the living room and in one particular house there's always like the dad left yeah. on the sofa reading the paper and then and he he's on like button <laughs> duty and he's supposed to call everyone if it goes red and he's reading the paper and he's falling asleep or something and then the button goes red all the other families have hit the button and you can just see this countdown clock in the top right hand it's like time since task began <laughs> minute and a half dad's still reading the paper and then he'll suddenly look up button button and start shouting that's the yeah exactly. down the best thing. it's simple pleasures isn't it so if you if you're in the mood for a simple pleasure check out the button on bbc on iplayer now yeah it's fab so earlier in the podcast caroline we mentioned that i'm i'm on the hunt for new podcasts um and you think you have one that might be up my street so with the caveat that audio drama is very subjective and you may or may not take to this I'm going to recommend you a show called The Bright Sessions, which is a really fantastic like story in terms of independent podcasting, because it's just this brilliant woman called Lauren Shippen who started writing it herself, got her actor friends to be in it. And now she's got like a two book deal and it's possibly going to be a TV show. And she was like in Forbes 30 under 30 and all of this kind of stuff. So it's become this amazing like digital media career for her. But anyway, the show itself is... I don't want to tell you too much to to spoil it, but it revolves around Dr. Bright, who's a therapist, and her recordings of some of her sessions with patients. And so each one that you hear, each episode has like a name of a patient and you hear them talking to Dr. Bright and a story sort of emerges from that. Okay, well, I'm intrigued by the premise because I can tell you're hedging so as not to spoil me, Um, (laughs) but I'll definitely check it out and... I'll report back next time. Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from the New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you you've enjoyed on the show we love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com and if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.